Summer League wrap-up, plus reacting to that Woj tweet with Alan Hahn, ESPN Radio. Pulse on the Knicks gives us on the ground what's going on there. This is Round Ball Roundup on utahjazz.com. I'm J.P. Chunga on the Utah Jazz Podcast Network, presented by First Colony Mortgage, the official mortgage lender of the Utah Jazz, and MLS number 3112, Equal Housing Lender. The Woj tweet. Jazz are listening to offers about Donovan Mitchell. That's my takeaway from Summer League. It's the biggest one to take away from that entire exhibition. I love going to the games. Don't mind me. I should be on the Vegas tourism board for how much that I love that place because you go down there to NBA Coachella, you are rubbing elbows with every single person in the league. I'm having interesting conversations with people. I'm down in the hotel lobby, and I'm staying at the Wynn, no bigs, but I see Taylor Jenkins in the lobby giving a finger guns to somebody, Royce O'Neal, Good to see him. He's hanging out with his new Brooklyn Nets teammates. Everybody's descending on this place. And I'm just trying to find podcast guests. And you're learning about the league. You're learning about the machinations. And that Woj tweet that happened, it came with my takeaway from Summer League. Because my takeaway happens to correspond with his podcast when last week, Justin Zanuck on here. And I'll point you to the direct spot, 1220 in. He says that because of the trades that they made, those draft picks that they acquired, the return for Rudy Gobert, Royce O'Neal also getting a first, because of that, they can have a lot of interesting conversations with people about things. I'm sure one of those talks is about Donovan Mitchell. And that's because Donovan is an isolation scorer. You can see he can get things done in the playoffs. He's improved in his pick and roll. As an isolation player, he's top 10 in the league. He's already, floor right now, all-star caliber. And at 25, you're betting on him to be an all-NBA player. And he could be here, he could be somewhere else. Wherever he is, he's a core member of you being good. And when Justin says what he says on the pod, I think back to a couple days earlier when he had that press conference with Danny Ainge And they're talking about how the window for contention has closed. That's what made it so appealing to get that return for Rudy. Send him to a place where he can be in that hunt. Because Jazz are no longer there. They went for it. They made their trades. They pushed all in. It's why they didn't have any draft picks this season. And now they're on the retool. They're on the rebuild. And if the talks percolate to the point where you make a deal, there it is. And when I think to Summer League, what I saw, next year is going to be a real one. Next year is going to be the one to watch. This one, you had roster players on the team. Jared Butler, Leandro Bulmaro, Johnny Juzang, Xavier Sneed. But next year, they're going to have first-round picks. As highly touted as Jared Butler was, he's a second-rounder. And I'm sorry he's not an all-star right now, but as much as he struggled shooting the ball, his passing was fine. He can operate in that summer league scenario. It's competitive games. That's what I love about it. Guys are fighting for jobs. Everybody's clawing for it. And Jared Butler could facilitate for teammates. He could get somebody open. Last year's summer league, all about Trent Forrest. What he showed as somebody that could be a backup point, he 
can beat guys off the dribble, doesn't have a shot, but when he's working with the big, he can hit that lob and he can make plays. Made Doak look great. And he can defend. So that was last year's Summer League. And even Trent, undrafted. But these upcoming ones, they're going to have first-round picks. They're going to have guys who are going to be in the future. And those draft picks will be on the floor. Now, I, I don't think that this was a complete bust just because they didn't get this Summer League ring. I agree. Everybody wanted it. Justin Zanuck said he wanted it. Championship hang the banner. Ball four guys, they showed little points, molds that you could see. If you squint your eyes, you're looking at it, you're saying, I can see a capable NBA player. They're not there yet, but the outline is there. Leandro Balmaro is a flare passer. He plays with flow. You can tell he has feel, and he has the right specs to be a playmaker at his size. Juzank, not afraid of moments, will shoot big threes. I enjoyed watching him at UCLA because so much was on his shoulders. And while he won't have the ball in his hands as much, if he can develop himself into a role player, he could also stick around in this league. I remember going back to a couple summer leagues ago, and George Yang was doing everything. He was facilitating. He was scoring. He bought into the Alex Jensen nutrition plan. You stand in the corner, you make threes, and you defend well enough at your position, you're going to stick around the league. And that's the nutrition plan for all the roster players. Xavier Sneed, Juzang, Butler, Bomaro. Ultimately, those guys need games. I looked at the other squads. Josh Giddy, who was talk of the town here in Salt Lake. Dude got 30 minutes a game. He's playing 50-plus, 54 to be exact. I have it written down here. And he gets NBA minutes, so he's going to adapt quicker. Jared Butler didn't have that opportunity. Neither Leandro Balmaro. When they got into games, it was the end. So what they need is to get NBA minutes. And I even look at Quentin Grimes, who I'm sure many of you are checking out and trying to see in Summer League as he excels. He got 46 games in the NBA. And he was playing 18 minutes a night. So it's not a bit part. It's him actually getting meaningful minutes. And that's going to help those guys develop. That'll help the Jazz develop. As far as this Summer League is concerned, the countdown for next year's, it's begun. Five stars. Nice reviews. That's all I ask of you. Let others know that you're listening to the podcast. I had Alan Hahn stop by. ESPN Radio, Barton Hahn. I caught him on one of the studio shows with Woj, and they were talking about the Jazz-Knicks negotiations because there's a natural trade partner in there. And I thought to myself, I got to get him on the podcast. Let's hear on the ground from New York City. So that's what I did. Caught up with him. Please enjoy Alan Hahn on Round Ball Roundup. thing about Danny Ainge and and obviously you know where Utah is right now what we saw with Rudy Gobert I take the call because I know that Danny Ainge likes to make deals I know that he'll talk about things that he'll consider a lot of different things I'll just also know that he likes to win no matter what it is I mean he's always been a competitor 
So I also have to pay attention. I have to know that uh, I have to be prepared for anything and, and make sure that I have a counter to everything. Don't waste his time and don't let him waste mine. What'd you make of the Gobert return? It was a lot. It really was. It surprised me. Um, it surprised a lot of people. And what we also, I think what we've seen is it's kind of affected the market in the uh, off season. Now, look, when a guy like Kevin Durant becomes uh, thought at least reportedly available, that also skews things. But if you're getting that kind of return now, it wasn't players. I mean, I love Patrick Beverly, but you know, Malik Beasley, these are good players, but you didn't get back the same level of player. What you got back was a hall of draft picks. And so that's where we are now, uh, you know, in the market is if you're moving a player or you've got like, if that's what I can get for, for Rudy Gobert, what am I getting for Kevin Durant? You know? So I do think it has created a bit of a freeze on the market because there are teams that are thinking, wow, the price just went up on everything. It's sort of like how gas prices from one summer to another, right? The same car, the same amount of fuel in the same and the same size tank. Wow, it's costing me a lot more to make that trip. And I don't know if I want to make that trip anymore. It's the inflation, you know? Yes, that's it really that's is. It. The draft pick inflation. And how do you rate draft picks? Because that's something that uh, people at ESPN are talking about is mm-hmm. how draft picks have become devalued. I think that was the latest on, on the low post. Where yeah. are you on where draft picks are in the market right now? I think everyone's kind of catching up to where I was a couple of years ago. I, I, I always call draft picks the currency of hope because you don't know what they are. You don't like it's, they're just tangible things, but you have no idea how valuable they are until the pick is made. You know, for instance, the pick number 15 in a draft might not feel like as valuable as pick number five in a draft. But if pick number 15 is Giannis Antetokounmpo, well, that pick just suddenly got real valuable, right? So it's always the hope of what that pick can become versus the value of just having it. It's, it's, it's currency. It's just money. You know, a player is a real thing. You already know what he is. A draft pick is simply the cash to get a player. But it's how you spend that money you can spend it wisely or you can spend it foolishly. And that is also the determining factor. So a draft pick's value is in the, obviously the eyes of the beholder. It's in what I can do with this pick versus what it actually is right now. Well, and for different teams, the eye of the beholder for the Jazz, draft picks are big because that's the way that you get players in and that's you have correct. control over uh, yes. where they go. For other teams, for a New York you can attract stars. You can have a super team built out That's of nowhere you say that. in Brooklyn. You know, I'll tell you what, I don't mean to cut you off, but because you said it that way, the Knicks haven't been able to attract anyone when they've had money. LeBron James said no in 2010. Kevin Durant said no in 2019. So in the process, you're kind of realizing that draft picks are important to everybody because for everyone, like, like it's not equal to everyone. You're right. I can create cap space by you, you know, par- putting a draft pick with players and dump salary, create cap space, and then just attract the player to my team. You could do what Danny did in Boston, where he had a roster that wasn't very good. And he knew that Kevin Garnett, they were finally going to move him. So what did he have but a young center, Al Jefferson, you know, a couple of pieces. And all right, I'll make this move. And I'll give up youth 
and some draft picks for this guy. And what did that do? But open the door for Ray Allen, and obviously, and they already had Paul Pierce. It's it's a see the Warriors are the great example of the best way to build in the league. Their team wasn't built with number one, number two, number three overall picks. They were built with guys that were taking eighth and ninth and twelfth and all that stuff, and even a second round. And that's how you do it. But that also takes time. So in New York, it sounds like, oh, it's a big market. Guys want to play there. They really don't. So the draft picks that the Knicks have acquired over these last couple of years is giving them that's their instead of cap space. That's their other way to get a star player or to try to bring in a star player is to buy it, not with cap space, but with draft picks. Well, and Danny, Danny didn't really attract free agents to Boston. It was more nope. of the, the trades that he made. That's right. Ray Allen with the Sonics, KG mm-hmm. and the Wolves, Isaiah Thomas with the Suns, and then Isaiah to the Cavs for Kyrie. Like That's where he yes. really made hay moves. was on that's the right. trade market. And, and if you think about it, too, when we talk about building super teams with cap space, there were two franchises that have done that, two. Miami Heat and the LA Lakers. No one else has really done that. You know, I mean, Kawhi going to the Clippers also took a, a hefty trade to bring in Paul George. You don't get Kawhi if you don't make that trade. So there's a lot of things. There, I think it's a fantasy, this idea of building a super team through, uh, you know, through free agency. That was Miami, and it was a once-in-a-lifetime thing. The Lakers, because they're the Lakers, because Shaq wanted to be there, you know, all the different moves. that they, And, you know, of course, you had the draw of a Kobe Bryant. You always have to have something there first. And, you know, just again, touching on the Knicks, they haven't had the one thing that people have said, I want to go play with that guy. You know, they had Patrick Ewing and they never really could get the, that second star to play with Patrick. So, you know, that's where I think the draft pick things come in. That's why I call it currency. It's another way to get a star player. If you don't want to take the time to draft and develop and do what the Warriors did. Well, and I'm looking at how much they spent for Jalen Brunson, and it makes sense because this is a team that hasn't had a guard go to the All-Star game in forever from 2001, their team. 2001, Allen Houston. Exactly. And point you know, guard? You want to go what? You want further? How old are you? I'm 28. Okay, so you weren't alive. <laughs> the, the last time a Knicks point guard went to the All-Star game, I was a senior in high school. It was 1989. Yes. That's reality. That's why when I see who has the leverage, and we're living in the world where Adrian Wojnarowski, last week he's reporting that the Jazz are listening to offers about Donovan Mitchell, and the Mm -hmm. natural trade partner would be the New York Knicks. That's why when I see the leverage of who's going to have more on them when Stephen A is screaming about how the Knicks need to do something, that's not happening with the Jazz. Danny can wait. The Knicks, on the other hand, do not have that luxury if the back page is calling for them to make this move. Yes, and those back pages are. They are. Yeah. Um, the fan base is split, though, I should tell you, which is really something. And it might be just from uh, the experience of, I guess it's a fear. You opened with, you know, would you take the call if Danny Ainge called you, right? And I think there's a little fear there of, oh, you know, if Danny Ainge is going to just completely, you know, just gut the bench and take all the draft picks and we'll have nothing left. So all you have is, you know, Jalen Brunson and Donovan Mitchell and nothing else, right? That's what everybody's afraid of because of that fear. 
you know, the, the Sith Lord that is Danny Ainge going to come in and, you know, just ravage whatever you've got. Um, but the other side is thinking, well, since Carmelo Anthony, they just haven't been able to get a star here. They haven't been able to do much with it. Christos Porzingis, you know, he started out as something, maybe something special, and then it really fell apart. They just haven't been able to do it. R.J. Barrett is a really good young player, but he hasn't shown the it factor that Zion and Ja have shown as a lead guy, but he's still a really good player. So what do they have? Julius Randle was a flash-in-the-pan all-star one year, and then the next year went right back to the guy he's been his whole career, which is puts up stats but isn't a winning player. I mean, that's really what we've seen. So the frustration is, like you just said, the impatience that builds up of, wait, this guy's available and he's from here. We got to get him. We got to get him. We got to get him, whatever it takes. So that's what they're dealing with is, is the, the, the fear of we can't make a bad deal. And then the fear of if we miss out on this guy, we're going to be waiting even longer. So you're right. As far as pressure goes, it's all here. But I wonder if there. It's also the un- now it's extremely uncomfortable of, well, well, we'll just go to training camp and he's there and he already knows that you were taking calls for him. And he kind of probably is like, all right, well, Rudy's gone and Royce is gone. Where are we going as a franchise here? We just hired a guy who's 34 years old to be the head coach. Uh, like, where are we going? You know, do I really want to be here? So I think there's going to be some pressure on Danny's side and on the jazz side as well but it's certainly not as significant as, you know, in the big market. But we've seen Danny. He's a, he's an ideologue on this stuff. He's going to wait. He he <laughs> wants to wait. He would love to wait more than anything. He he wants to wait because he's he's fine doing that. What is what, what is the what is the benefit of waiting when you consider that the draft just went by a month ago and the Jazz didn't have a single pick? Not a single pick. Yeah. How, how how do you and now you have picks from Rudy? Okay, so you have some and Royce. The Royce but how, trade that, that got, actually got them very shrewd. A pick that as well. was yes, that was a shrewd one. But how do you how do you begin a rebuild and also let your fan base know, like, all right, this is what we're doing. We're all in. Look at the West. You know, we tried. It's not working. It's time to reset this thing. And this is what he did in Boston too. By the way, brought in Brad Stevens and hit the reset button. And what a, you know, magnificent draft day move for Jason Tatum and away they went, you know, quickly kind of turn that thing around and the same thing can happen. But if you wait, that's costing you time. And that's why I wonder uh, if it's better to get something done before the season starts. I, I don't expect anything in the summer. I think everybody's kind of like, it's been a long off season already. It's been very busy off season. And I think a lot of people just want to take their vacation. It's the first time in remember. It's been a couple of years since August was a quiet month in the NBA because of the pandemic and because last year everything got pushed ahead. So I think there's a lot of people in the league that are just like, let's just get away, get a break. And then when September rolls around, things can pick up again. Now let me tell you about First Colony Mortgage. They've been serving the lending needs of Utah for more than 35 years. As a mortgage banker, First Colony Mortgage offers advantages over other lenders. Not only do they process mortgages, they also underwrite, fund, and close mortgage loans all in-house. Their expert team is ready to help you with your home financing needs. Just check them out. First Colony Mortgage, the official mortgage lender of the Utah Jazz. 
Well, and how dependent do you think that this is related to KD in Brooklyn? Because that's another t- a team that is lurking in the Donovan sweepstakes or whatever you want to call it. It's not as good as melodrama. It's not as good as the other names that people come up with on the back pages for these sweepstakes. LeBron-a-thon? But yes. How dependent is on KD and, and what happens in Brooklyn to this? It's a great question because I, I don't know if they're completely related. I think, again, if I'm looking at it from the Jazz side, I want competition. I don't want the Knicks to feel like we are the only team in on this because no one can give you the draft capital that we can give, right? But you could also, you need another team that's competition that also ramps up the pressure in New York. And nothing ramps up the pressure in New York like a good old rivalry. And there's no greater rivalry than the Miami Heat. And why? Because of Pat Riley. And Pat Riley loves to put pressure on the Knicks. He enjoys it. And so... That's something now I know Danny and Pat don't really have a great relationship, but that doesn't mean you don't have a, one of a marriage of convenience here, you know, because you both are getting something out of it for the heat. It's like, all right, make sure whatever the Knicks are doing, it compromises them enough that they can't keep building this thing. And if you're the jazz, it's, it's all right, well, let's get the best package or let's get them a little desperate. So, you know, with Miami looking at KD and saying, well, let's hit the pause button on, on Donnie because Kevin's available. And I mean, Kevin's a top three player in the world. Let's, let's see if we can get in on that. I'd rather get in on that. Right. And that certainly could lead to uh, a stall because you don't want it to be a one-on-one conversation until you acknowledge, all right, this is the best team to talk to. Let's go ahead and hammer out a deal. And is this again, related to the Rudy Gobert trade in how many picks they got for him is adjusting what Brooklyn's expectation is for Kevin Durant? I think so. Yeah, I I do. Because if you're trading Kevin Durant, you're never getting a player comp back, right? You're just not. You're not going to get a player that good. They're also compromised because of Ben Simmons and the designated player, uh, you know, situation where he's had his contract will not allow them to get a bam out of bite. They can't get him on that deal. I actually wonder if they could get Donovan. Isn't Donovan also? Donovan's under that rule too. Yeah. So it would have to take out Ben Simmons. You'd have to move Ben or you'd have to be a third team to, you know, be involved in somehow, some way. So it's bizarre. Um, But as far as the draft pick compensation part of it, yes. Rudy Gobert is obviously a great defensive player. He's an impact player when you put him on a good team. See, Donovan Mitchell, I think, is, you know, he's obviously not a top five player. He's probably not a top 10 player yet, but he is a top 15 player. And therefore, he's an all-star. So that, you upgrade your roster when you add a player like this. So if I can get three unprotecteds and four draft picks for Rudy Gobert, I've got to feel like I can get a total of at least six in some machination. Like, it still could be three unprotected. But it could be three where, you know, there's one protected and two pick swaps, whatever it is. That's how I look at it. It's at least we're talking six because of the impact this player can have on the offensive side and in your market. You know, if if I'm talking to the Knicks, like I know what this guy's going to do for you. You guys are going to make money. You're going to sell out the building because of who he is. You're going to be able to market him because he's got that kind of personality. Yeah, we start the bidding at six picks.
My question is, is are the Jazz taking back players because they want players? Or is this mostly about picks and contracts that I can just move on from pretty quickly? Because that's what that Gobert trade looked like, yeah. is they weren't looking for players. Well, and the players that they got all can be moved on after right. this season. If they want to continue with them, they can. They got them in their program. But as far as long-term stuff... You're not locked in. Not locked in. And if you look at the history of Danny Ainge, it could go one of two ways where the Antoine Walker deal that he did at the start of his tenure with Boston, he still kept on to Paul Pierce, waited a while, and then made his big move with Ray Allen, KG, mm-hmm. or the full teardown with what he did in the 2010s in getting all the draft picks and ultimately turning into this finals team that we saw last season. That is, I think, what I think the market will decide what he does here, right? I, I think it's that because do you ask for an RJ Barrett saying, you know, you've got a gift to get and RJ is 21 years old and he's averaged 20 points a game last year. And he was on the uptick all for the second half of that season. He's, you know, obviously not again, his draft class, he's not Ja, he's not Zion, but he's probably the third, maybe fourth best player of his draft. He still is, you know, it's not like he fell off, but that comes with by October, an extension that could be worth up to $180 million. Is that what you want to do? And does he say, well, if you don't give me the full max, I don't, I can accept it. And now I'll become a strict free agent. And you're dealing with that. So is that something you really want to do? I don't know, but he obviously would be the, the, the key piece in a trade. If you're looking for a player for something to build forward with. So there's a lot of things here uh, in a deal. I think personally, you're going to need a third team. I feel like they're going to, in the end, there'll be a third team that will have to help facilitate a lot of things to make everyone happy. And, you know, I don't know if there's a lot of people in this league that are looking to help Danny or help the Knicks. (laughs) Two entities that I think a lot of people are just fine with leaving on their own. So now you wouldn't answer the phone if Danny called (laughs) for a third team. Well, a third team, yeah, I'd always have to say what's in it for me. Like, because the third team, think about it that way too, right? A third team is essentially the what's in it for me. Like, I'm not getting anything out of this. I'm helping you both facilitate something that you both want. So all I'm looking to do is get something out of it, right? And that's what you have to find is, you know, and and Sam is so good at this. Presti is so good at being that guy that's willing to, all right, there's that salary that you don't want to take. Well, we've got to get to the floor. Give me that guy, but you also got to give me a couple of picks as well. (laughs) So this deal in the end, from the Knicks side could end up being eight picks, but not all of them go one way. And that would be, I mean, that's the most they can give up. That'd be, again, that would be mind blowing, but it, just to facilitate a deal, it could go that way. And this is the swing that they wanted. This is what Leon Rose, I imagine was brought in to do was to get the big fish, somebody from his agency yeah. ties to, yes. to finally get it done. Yeah. And, and from the day Johnny Bryant was hired, as a um, associate head coach of the Knicks. Uh, it's a title that it's very specific. It's not assistant coach. It's associate head coach. So they gave him a prominent position next to Tom Thibodeau. And from the day they hired him, and we obviously know his, you know, his relationship with, with Donovan. And, and uh, you know, the one that got away is, is such a story in Knicks history in the draft when you consider you know, Ron Artest, you know, now known as uh, Meta World Peace or, or Meta something. I know he changed it again. But, uh, 
that's one draft. Again, Ronnie was from New York. He wanted to be a Nick. All he played at St. John, and it's just they passed on him for French center. All those years later, there's Donovan Mitchell, Rick Pitino telling the Knicks, look, I didn't play, I didn't use him the way he, this guy's going to be a great pro. You got to take him, got to take him. And they pass on him for another French player in Frank Nielakina. And that does obviously doesn't work out. So this is trying to right or wrong uh, in that case. So, you know, there's that, you know, certainly again, that pressure too. I don't know if it's a swinging for the fences because swinging for the fences is a, when they tried to get KD. You know, like that kind of a level player. This is, though, getting somebody that advances the cause. And for the Knicks, that's critical to get a player that at least when you go in any gym in the league, you might have, if you don't have the best player on the floor, you probably have the second or second best player on the floor. And they haven't had that in a, in a long time. I want to ask you something because you see him regularly. And it's something from here that it's so funny. When, when you watch a player from afar, it's, this guy's great. But once you have a chance to get him, now you try to find every flaw you can of why, well, he's not that good. He's not going to change your fortunes. What is it about him that makes him a star? What is it about him that makes him something that the Knicks should give up as many as six picks for? I've been with the team since he was a rookie, watching him uh, play and having a 40-point explosion against the Pelicans, doing something every night that we didn't know. But the advancement in his game, at least last season, was his facilitating, him being able to initiate offense, create for other people off the dribble, while also having his own bag that he can go to and score one-on-one. I think he was in the top top 10 in isolation scores, according to stats on NBA. That's something that... Every playoff team, when it comes to getting bogged down in the Jazz, have gotten bogged down in the playoffs. He can do that. Him having 50-point games, him having Mm -hmm. the 60-burger in the bubble, those things made him a superstar that here haven't had at all. I mean, Carl was a different uh, mode. John was a different mode. Darren Williams had his moment, but he was never going to be Chris Paul. Mm -hmm. Donovan Mitchell has that it factor, the signature shoe, marketable and on top of that he can be an isolation scorer in the playoffs that you can use that everybody loves here that's the other thing if he stays i think jazz fans are are completely fine with him him coming back because he it's not coming from his end in requesting this trade it's more of they're listening to offers if something comes along they weren't looking to to trade rudy necessarily but that happened because of the huge draft haul if the same thing happens i think jazz fans would be fine yeah, I think that's the best way for the team to, I'm not going to say sell it, but more explain it, is if nothing happens, is the best way to say it is, well, we weren't shopping him, but we were getting calls. And we thought, all right, let's see if somebody wants to get crazy. And, you know, there's always that, you know, that's the the godfather thing. You know, you give me an offer, I can't refuse. You know, like that's that's really what I think is the best way for the Jazz to explain it is we weren't we weren't really selling either of these guys but we started getting calls about them and you know minnesota gave an offer was like all right we we're not gonna be able to get a package like that so let's do it and then when teams started calling about donovan we first said no but then we started getting these offers it was like well we need to start listening to some of these offers see how crazy people are going to get so that's that's where i think you could you could definitely push it um 
but that that's what I see in him too. I, I see the same thing you do. I see somebody that averages 28 a game in the playoffs, which says a lot to me, yeah. a guy that can score in the playoffs. And all you have to do is look at what Julius Randle did in one round of the playoffs out there, averaging almost 30 a game and uh, averaging almost a triple double having an all-star, you know, most improved season. And he goes into the playoffs and he can't score because defenses just start locking in on him. I see a guy in Donovan Mitchell who's played a lot of playoff games and you're averaging 28 a game in the playoffs. You know, that's impressive stuff. So yeah, like I said, if Danny was calling me, I would take the call. (laughs) I'd be very careful with, you know, again, I'd take every note diligently. What did he say? What did he say here? What's he, but I would also know that if he's talking to me, he's willing to do something. I got to find how far I need to go before he says yes. ESPN Radio, ESPN, he's Alan Hahn on Round Ball Roundup on utahjazz.com. Alan, thank you so much for taking the time. No, this was great.